Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. How many mice have to die to save one human life? No, really, like, we're going to talk about animal testing. Like, what's the cutoff? Like, after we kill a certain amount of mice, do we just try something else? Or do we keep trying? Today we're going to talk about animal testing. Before we get into that, Mike, how you doing? What are you drinking? Well, we're talking about another depressing topic, but luckily I have some coffee and some J.W. Kelly whiskey. What about you, my friend? How are you and what are you drinking? Same with the Irish coffee. A little Jim Bean going cheap today. So, animal testing. It's... A very controversial topic, but it's really broad, covering everything from medical testing to, well, putting makeup on pigs. It's something I'd like to note we've been doing since the beginning of civilization. I mean, the ancient Greeks were cutting open animals to see how they work and trying to perform surgeries. I mean, humans, we mainly learn from doing our mistakes, and animal testing has been part of it. Yeah, and there's a a huge range of animal testing. I mean, the cosmetics industry, which is what I think most people think of, or at least I think of when I hear animal testing, that and the pharmaceutical industry. But the cosmetics industry is only, when I saw like 1.3% of animal testing. And then you obviously have the medical industry and that, even in that, there's so much. So you have stuff, you know, like text testing, vaccine efficacy, you have all the way on the other end, you have doctors performing operations on animals to get used to operating. Um, humans share 99% DNA with chimps, or 95, share 95% of our DNA with mice. So Actually, it's a little higher. We share 98% with mice. We're not all that different, you and I. <laughs> there are rats everywhere, Nick. And I think we can all agree that, well, I like uh, surgeons to have some experience before they get to a human. No, you want yeah, to be obviously. the first one, Nick, don't you? Yeah, you're doing a heart transplant. You want to be a you want to have a rookie, don't you? Yeah, he I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> Another big one that kind of falls in the, to the medical to, sometimes doesn't depending on what sources you look at is toxicology and that's so say someone invents a new herbicide or a house cleaner. Um like a house cleaner They'll put a certain amount near a mouse to see how much will kill it, and that's how we establish its toxicity and what it hurts. So, like bleach or something, like eye skin irritant. Well, we only know that from testing on animals, and then, to, and then eventually, at, I don't know what when they stop testing on humans after how dangerous it is. That was surprising to me on how much was just for skin irritants when researching this. I also want to point out when researching this how garbage a lot of the sources are like the sources were either completely pro animal testing or completely against like we i'm not joking treehugger.org and then you had like um uh benefits of animal testing.com like there was very hard and needle in the haystack sources that were neutral so keep that in mind when we were talking about this because it's i did not realize how opinionated this was on uh, for people rather than being coming in neutral and unopinionated on it. Oh yeah, it's uh yeah, people have all sorts of opinions, some good, some bad, some with merit. And uh, I think this is 
one where people are going to have to make some hard decisions because there's definitely some pros and cons, but it's also a lot more nuanced than animal testing good, animal testing bad. Completely agree. We'll see, though. We'll see what we agree and disagree on. Well, I also want to point out, since we're talking about animal testing, animal testing has been increasing. It's not been increasing. Uh, Over the past decade and a half, animals, the amount of animals used has simply increased. We first started making some rules and regulations in like the 1950s, I think 1956, if I remember correctly, with the Animal Welfare Act, which still exists and has been modified since then. It's uh, it's kind of like a law and bill that puts regulations on animal testing, who can do it, who can transport. Um, the reason why this was inducted into our law, Nick, I think you'll find this is funny, is because people kept stealing other people's dogs and cats and kept giving them to scientists for, for testing. So it was really like an anti-theft law more than an animal testing law. Yeah, that checks out. And then uh, just getting way ahead here, but that that leads to some dark roads because people are like, we should only test on humans. And then what happens when people start stealing people for animal testing? (laughs) If we're stealing cats and dogs to sell. Is it bad when you said animal testing, all I could think was Nazi Germany and Soviet Russia? Don't leave the Japanese out. Oh of this. yeah, Imperial Japan and China. Oh, that's yeah. Well, let's let's go back to animals off humans. Um, like I said, it's been increasing. I mean, since 2017, 74,498 monkeys have been used for animal testing in the United States. That's not saying other countries aren't using monkeys, because my money is that they are. And we'll talk about laws and regulations later on in the podcast, but. Just a rough estimate of how many animals are tested on a year, and this is including mice. So, again, like Nick mentioned, how many how many mice are worth a human life? An estimated twenty six million animals are used in the United States for testing. Yeah, and so from I don't know if you saw something different, Mike, but the highest to so the most common animal that was used was guinea pigs, followed by rabbits, hamsters, and then non human primates, then dogs then pigs, then sheep and cats, and then there's a category of other that was the majority, but just a lot of different animals that don't get their own. So guinea pigs are by far the most common, which that makes sense now that I say it out loud. (laughs) No, I saw the similar thing, and it actually goes back to the Animal Welfare Act. So the Animal Welfare Act really only protects warm-blooded vertebrates. So pretty much doesn't protect birds, reptiles, amphibians, and doesn't really protect farm animals. It only really protects like cats and dogs and like people's pets. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Sorry, I have to mention this now because oh, uh, I'll, I'll save it a little bit later. Um. Yeah. There's certain species that can be protected and some that cannot, and that's why there's when you see some of these statistics, they'll include they'll say like legally protected animals instead of just uh, like like some certain statistics don't use those numbers. Basically, the legally protected anything that uses that i think comes from an fda source because that's where they kind of regulate and they have all their data and then i don't exactly know how the non-legally protected people get their sources and but that could be like worldwide i guess i didn't really look too much into it because if you're doing animal testing somewhere else i feel like that's the reporting's probably not as good as in the united states well a little hush-hush, a little nudge-nudge, a little don't-ask-questions is definitely a uh, common theme in the animal testing world. And something I, thought, something I thought was very surprising, just because it's illegal in the United States doesn't mean the United States doesn't do it. So if the animal is not regulated or allowed to be tested on or 
they can't get certain licenses or pay certain fees or they want to do a certain test that gets uh, declined, they just outsource it to different countries. Oh, yeah, exactly. And yeah, I was going to say along with that, we the United States, like you mentioned, has the few laws that protect animals like the Animal Welfare Act and Public Health Services uh, Policy of Humane Care of Lab Animals, which, you know, there's you can get not waivers, but, you know, work within that system fairly well. I, China treats their people worse than that. So who knows what they're doing over there? Oh, God. Yeah, just absolutely. Yeah. So there's that's the thing with like anything talking about regulations like this is just because it's not going to get done in the United States or Canada or Europe, the UK, whatever, you know, countries talking about doing this testing doesn't mean it's not going to get done. It's just going to get done somewhere seedier and seedier. Nothing says dark op like animal testing. But Nick, if we can a little bit, I'd like to back travel a little bit to the mice because the mice are an interesting animal test subject, which has been flawed for many years. In what way? So this might not be common knowledge. The mice that we've been studying and using in the 21st century have vastly changed recently. And by vastly changed, I mean within the decade, 15 years, because there are, for lack of better words, puppy mills for mice, where they just grow the same species of mice for testing such, you know, farms for mice. Well, the problem is all those mice have the same genetics, pretty much. And a lot of scientific studies on animal research and animal testing were all using male mice. It wasn't until the last decade where we switched over like, oh, we're using the same isolated source again and again, not adding any variance to the the study. So these bred mice that are abnormal, A-line, because they're a certain gene, gene line that has no mix, we've been using for testing. So a lot of, you know... Pre-2010 research for animal testing is kind of iffy and might be questionable at best. And a major reason why we use mice is, one, like we mentioned, they use 98% of our DNA. It's amazing, only 2% really makes us the difference. But their shorter lifespan is actually beneficial to us. So we get to see the results faster. We get to see it through the entire cycle. And that's quite beneficial. Like using a guinea pig, you get to see how it affects them as young middle-aged and old it's that's hard to do in a controlled setting so i want to keep that in mind but i just thought it was really weird how we were for a long time only using male mice from certain gene lines and not mixing it up which pretty much made a lot of test results questionable at best yeah i mean and there's always going to be a question of uh jumping from mice to humans i mean 95 percent of animal testing that's done is done on rodents so that's our big uh, money maker there, and not everything always carries over. But yeah, I thought that was the generational thing, where you can see tests done on multiple generations in a short time period compared to humans. It's like that's you really can't beat that, especially for me coming from. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I grow trees for a living. We can uh, <laughs> one gen. It takes we we're able to speed up the process for trees where now we can do one generation kind of see how that grows in like 15 years as opposed to 30 years that's one generation in 15 years as opposed to i mean you could have so many generation of mice in that in that time i mean it's like light speed i remember correctly mice are like they can breed twice a year if in the right conditions so i mean that's that's huge also something a little again this is a 
not an episode for the week. It kind of gets dark throughout the episode, in my opinion. Uh, you know how, Nick, they test uh, cancer for on mice? Because mice are used a lot in cancer research. You know how they get mice with cancer? Don't they expose them to radiation? Sometimes. I have no idea. But mainly, they breed mice to get cancer. So they take mice that have specific DNA or specific uh, probability of getting cancer and they keep breeding them so they get cancer and once in a while they'll arthur their rna so they actually get cancer but they're breeding mice with cancer to get cancer why did you choose to breed me for my superior genetics well yes but also no (laughs) yeah it's um it's a real question because i mean it feels kind of cruel that we're breeding mice to get cancer or giving mice cancer but if it saves I don't know, a whole generation of people from cancer is the cost worth the reward, which I assume we'll talk about later in the podcast. But to me, from a science perspective, mice were the most common along with guinea pigs. But it's it's nice to see how fast we can do it, like the generations of getting mice to see the entire lifespan. But it also seems a little fucked up to me on that we're giving them these diseases so we can see how certain drugs and cosmetics and stuff will actually happen. Yeah, that seems like everyone's chief complaint with the pharmaceutical industry too, is like, you're making me sick to, to fix me kind of thing. Like you get one drug that then another drug to counteract it. Um, no, the pharmaceutical company would never do anything evil, Nick. Yeah, I, I, I do think that's super interesting. I would like the, the genetics of breeding mice to get certain, to have certain traits so that you can test it stuff out. And then, and this is something that comes up a lot because like we talked about mice are very closely related to humans uh, one of the biggest i think anti-animal testing arguments is that not everything that's animal safe translates to humans and vice versa some stuff that's safe for mice isn't safe for humans so it's not a perfect cross and especially when you start throwing you know poor genetics in there that amplify certain genes it it's changes things a little bit um, and i think this is just i don't know if what, what you think, Mike, but I personally think that that's just going to continue to be a gray area. It's like, yeah, it's not a perfect system, but it's our most perfect system. Yes. So I agree with that statement. It's 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 almost like baby steps. Like first you do simulations, then animal testing, and then human testing, then release it to the market. Like you try to mitigate on how much it affects humans in general. But when we do testing like, like on zebrafish, well... Zebrafish are hyperdusive, they can regrow organs, they have all these special traits. It's still a fish. It still still is a big difference from point A to point B. So it's I think you hit the nail on the head with a gray area there. Yeah, and and something I saw and you can refute this number because it came from a pretty pro animal testing source, is is that ninety five percent of uh, like pharmaceuticals and cosmetics don't make it past the animal testing phase. It basically means they found out it's not good, so they're not going to try it on humans. And so that would that could save that's going to save a lot of lives there. You know, maybe not lives, but maybe just skin irritation or. But I mean, who knows? Yeah, I mean everything's carcinogenic these days. So why might try to mitigate the amount of carcinogenics in the world? There's a there's a point I want to get before we get too far ahead of it. Like I said, with the mice, the modification, the breeding. I wonder if they do the same with monkeys. I couldn't find any in my research, but do we give monkeys cancer? I don't know. I'm going to guess probably, but I, I just don't think that the scale of breeding, like the rate at which monkeys are used, 
I don't imagine that you could qualify like a specific unless it's like one specific cancer like i feel like with mice you can they probably breed them for all sorts of cancers you can order genetic predispositions for probably most cancers but with monkeys i could see maybe one or two really common cancers with mice they're like you get a cancer you get a cancer you get a cancer yeah no shit uh it's just well also going back to your cosmetic thing we did an episode on cosmetics and animal testing was in there a little bit uh you should go check it out at backyard philosophy or anywhere you listen to podcasts but from what I remember, the European Union is pretty much banned animal testing for cosmetics. The United States has strict regulations. The only really major countries that I could find were doing cosmetic animal testing were in Asia, mainly China. Though even China itself has been restricting cosmetics because they, by law, were required to test cosmetics on foreign cosmetics coming into their country which has changed they still do it here and there but has been loosened up and changed quite a bit yeah and from what i saw there's 39 countries that have banned all sorts of animal testing and there's you'll see a lot of cruelty free on cosmetics which i think is kind of like (laughs) it's kind of questionable it's kind of questionable Um, but there but what that's showing is that there is a demand for non-animal tested products but it's kind of like having your cake and eating it too we want products that aren't tested animals but also like look at the glyphosate lawsuits if it's not 100 percent safe then we don't want to use it and it's i just i don't know how we can have both those things animal testing is definitely a dual wielded sword i mean would you tell a parent that we the child had to die because we refused to test on mice Cats, dogs, monkeys. That's a hard argument to make. Now, I'm an animal person more than a human person. So that one's, in my opinion, like, eh, if we thin out the population, it's not the end of the world. But to to tell a parent that their kid died because we refused to test this pharmaceutical, this surgery, this methodology on animals, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, and so I want to talk about just a few examples of things that came out of animal testing. Uh, so pacemakers heart valve substitutes so i mean using like the pig valves and stuff and a lot of anesthetics those are all pretty good things uh cures for certain cancers blood transplants mris they all like the reason we're able to identify in the human body like what's what in an mri is because we did on animals first now i imagine we zoinked that uh animal so they're passed the fuck out because you can kind of stand still to do mris but that's still animal testing i mean Animal testing can be anything from putting lipstick on a pig to having them pass out and sending them through an MRI machine to literally shaving them and injecting them with drugs or having them being eaten alive with their vocal cords cut out. It's anywhere from, oh, that's not bad, to holy shit, that's pure evil. Yeah, and I saw the uh, under the FDA, some of their what is or isn't animal testing, they had like the military using shooting animals and having their medics patch them up that's considered animal testing i guess that's fucked up didn't see that that's fucked up but uh i mean you got to learn somehow yeah seems like i mean they're i think they're they're i think they're dead yeah but also seems like like a recently it also seems like a waste of meat or food resources i don't know it seems it seems like we could just use like a like a tweaker who overdosed that we could just patch up on uh so this is not the best argument, but not a, 
it's an entertaining argument. I saw someone it's like, basically, we're allowed to test on animals because they're not as smart and sentient as us. But why? Can't, so does that just mean we can test on dumb humans then? I'm so happy you said that because that transitions to something I wanted to say. I didn't know where it was going to come from the podcast, but there are some. All right. Stay with me, Nick. There are some dumb things we test animals with. Like you said, a lot of skin irritants like uh, Clorox wipes, Dawn, Tide, uh, Splenda, furniture polish, sticky notes, toothpaste, makeup. I imagine most animals are smart enough not to want to eat or consume Tide, but there are humans dumb enough to eat Tide pods. So really, who's the inferior species there? The dog who doesn't want to eat Tide pods and is forced to? Or the human who's dumb enough who to... Who knows what he's doing. <laughs> exactly. Like, ah, it's, it's a really good, interesting argument, in my opinion. It's like, you, you want to say they're wrong, but it's like, he's got a point. Uh, you, you know what also, I, this is kind of off topic, I just remember researching it. You know what's a really weird thing that's tested on animals is condoms. Condoms, like Trojans, I remember Trojans being one of the brands that tests on animals... They test not only to see, one, if it works, two, to see how it irritates like the latex on the skin, but three, also how it how it affects them if it's consumed. If you're eating a condom, I kind of don't know if I want you to live or not. And I imagine a lot of animals know this smells weird. Let's not eat it. So I imagine a lot of them are forced to eat it. I... It's just instructions unclear. <laughs> Eat the condom. Oh my god! It just seems such like a weird thing to test. Like I can understand like soaps because you know that's getting on your skin, but that should be like a scare skin irritant. Uh, irritant. But eating it, I think. If I had to guess, it's probably due to something of how it's labeled. Like because it's probably labeled as like some sort of medical thing that and they need to have some sort of toxicology study on it of like what it could do and like the harmful so that I bet they eat it so that they can put the label on it that says, you know, um, choking hazard or some shit like that. I don't know. Like if I had to guess, like I understand it's going inside a human body, but I feel like you don't have to force someone or force a creature to eat it. I feel like there's other ways. Um, But like, like I said, Nick, there's a, and you said actually too, there's a lot of skin sensitivity testing, a lot of toxicity. I did not realize the amount of toxicity. I thought, I'll, I'll be honest, when it, for researching this in my mind com- before coming into this, when I thought animal testing, I thought cosmetics, and I thought for cure for diseases. Not everyday objects or common things in our household testing. Yeah, and if you remember back to the pesticides test, I talked about the oral, your LD50 value, which is basically how much of a product it will take to kill you and we compared glyphosate to salt because salt has a you know we got to figure out how much salt can kill kill someone as and that's kind of a good base indicator right you know is this safer or less safe than salt on a purely like consumption level and so every household cleaner that comes out hand sanitizer we need to know how much of this can kill you and so they test that on mice because well (laughs) We got to figure out, and then they amplify it. Um, and so, for certain stuff that's really controversial, like glyphosate, most things will just test on mice, right? Like, okay, this is how much will kill you this many milligrams to kilograms. So, basically, what percentage of this to what percentage of your body mass it will take to kill you? 
and they if they want a more accurate one then they'll do it on dogs because they're a little bit more similar in the toxicology to humans now obviously everyone knows that's not exactly the same like we can eat a lot more chocolate than dogs can but that's where a lot of that comes from and a lot of it is uh just like your your bleaches your clorox your window windex stuff like that that it is a chemical and we use it all around us and we need to know one like you said irritants i should not put bleach on my skin we know that now you know stuff like that and that i think that's stuff we we do need to know I, I this is a little bit off topic, but I was surprised on how much testing on dogs and cats compared to pigs, because pigs are very similar to humans in both uh, in physiology. Which I, because I mean, we even do organ transplants with pigs. I mean, that comes from animal testing, but it seems like we don't test on much as pigs as I thought we initially did. I have this is just a complete guess, so there's no actual science to back this up. I'd feel like pigs have a tougher immune system or liver or something than than dogs or humans do maybe because that does make sense when you say it but I know a lot of the toxicology tests get done on dogs after after they come from mice so maybe like immune system wise we're more similar to dogs maybe perhaps like I've never I I've heard dogs getting like colds but I've never heard of a pig getting a cold perhaps they're a little bit more robust than us but it just seems like if we're going to test on how stuff affects skin and organs, and if we're able to literally transfer organs from animal to animal, from pig to human, why uh, why not test on pigs? Yeah, that's a good... I mean, well, there's a lot of pigs. Has, maybe maybe it's a cost thing? I really don't know. I couldn't tell you. True, true. But maybe you are right, because like you said, Nick, just because it passes the animals doesn't mean it'll work for humans. Drug passing on animals does not mean it it works for humans. It's comparing apples to oranges. Yes, they're both fruit, but doesn't mean they're both really good with a smoothie or something like that. Yeah, and uh, you know, this is probably the biggest argument that people have. And I guess what I kind of you want to you want to talk about what it, the world would be like if we just went straight to testing on humans because there's stuff that doesn't work for animals but does work for humans and. Uh, I think like acetaminophen is one of those things that it's toxic to animals, but like completely harmless to us, like a pretty common, I don't know if it's acetaminophen, but it's something like that. Some kind of stuff people take all the time. Before you get to that, I do want to say one thing that I believe it was in the 1960s, a William Russell and a Rex Birch came up with a three R's for animal testing, which when researching animal testing, it's amazing on how nice and how cruel humans can be. But their three R's were restrict, refine, and replace. Restrict when you use animals, refine the kind of experiments is conducted on animals, and replace as technology becomes available. So, yes, replace animals with humans when we know it doesn't affect animals, but it'll affect us. Because I don't know how they figured out that, Nick, where a common drug well, doesn't affect animals but affects humans. Like, that's that's got to be someone accidentally taking it or just a wild goose chase i'm not sure how that works but it's amazing to me on how much we test on animals that to me does not make sense for animal testing sorry about that tangent but no you're good i got two examples for you so there's a in the 1950s there's a sleeping pill thalidonide which caused uh birth which caused birth deformities and it could not be replicated at that dose in animals unless it was given to an extremely high dose and then a drug that was supposed to protect mice, 
protect their hearts, which worked in trials, went on to cause 27,000 heart attacks once put into humans. So it's not 100% crossover and vice versa. Like you said, they were going to have some stuff. And it's that's the stuff that it's curious, like, like you said, how do we get from, oh, this works in humans, but kill like it kills animals. It seems like that would have eliminated it from our use. Yeah, if if honestly, if I saw a dog eat mushrooms, I'd be like, oh, the dog died. I'm not going to eat those mushrooms. Those mushrooms are poisonous. But actually, the mushrooms like make me superhuman. Like, how, how would you figure that out? That's where the idiots come in. <laughs> For real. And man, human testing, it does actually exist. I did not actually realize how... Not it's not common, but it's not rare. There's a lot of actual volunteers for human testing, which seems very foreign to me. Because when I think of human and testing, I like thinking like you said, Nick, guinea pig. I don't want to be a guinea pig for some chemical or drug, unless like I'm dying and it's like it's just a shot in the air to maybe solve my cure. Yeah, so I'm gonna come back to that because I found my notes. So it is aspirin. That is dangerous to uh, animals, but obviously safe for humans. And another organ transplant drug um, was safe for humans, not good for animals. Um, But yeah, so people talk about experimenting on humans, Mike, and it's air prisoners. And I feel like talk about cruel and unusual punishment. Your fate will be decided by the pharmaceutical industry. Oof, no, thank Send me to the firing squad. Yeah, but in all in all fairness, there is a lot of people who will sign up for, for tests. And I, I mean, I think that's fair, but it's, I, for me personally, I feel like the payout is not, the risk versus reward is not quite there. Something about an experimental chemical drug or adhesive or whatever being rubbed, injected, or digested by me to see what happens it man talk about i think the monkey being sent to space had a better odds than the human testing people i feel like a lot of people think that they're going to be the next captain america when that's not just that's just not how it's going to (laughs) work very very true and i don't know like if you do it on say people in prison do they get time off their sentence or is it just something to do because like i know a lot of human testing in just like general population is for money like people are poor and they just need money or they have a terminal disease and they're like fuck it might as well make my body useful somehow yeah i don't know i kind of assumed it was for like people who are in there for life kind of thing (laughs) or i don't know if you get paid and if you're gonna get out or something i'm not really sure what will humans do to avoid boredom (laughs) yeah um, one thing that I kind of was curious about, and we talk about getting people to do testing, and the example that's always used is, okay, like if someone's on their deathbed, like they can use these trials for these drugs, and we can always, or and then people make the argument, oh, like so and so, you know, is doing this experimental thing, or it's like, you know, my wife has X disease, and so I'll participate in these trials for X disease. But really, like, if you had no animal testing, you know, and they're still, you're basically, you're still going to have a control. And it's just like, man, that's, I understand the need, but that just sucks. You know, you're maybe, you think you're getting an experimental drug and it's really a control. 
Yeah, that placebo effect, it's real, but man, that's got to be really disappointing when you don't get the life-saving drug. Yeah. But I am, I'm wondering about the laws for human testing. Like, I uh, we, I mainly investigated animals when I think animals, I think mice, dogs, cats, chimpanzees. I wonder what the liability insurance is on human testing. With the animal testing, like we said, there's lots of now restrictions, which is like who can sell what animals uh, to who, who can get approval to test certain animals on who, which again, all these regulations are kind of loose, but at least they're somewhat in place. I feel like on one end you have like a well-run lab, like everything's white. And then on the other end you have Tiger King. Damn, I was going with a with the Wu Tang lab uh, with the Wu lab, but a uh, oh, Wu Wuhan. Wuhan lab, but labs. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, some get some have good standards, some don't, and it's unfortunately not really restricted to do with that. Like, I don't think, if I remember correctly, you can grow, you can raise animals like dogs and cats straight for pharmaceutical and animal testing. But I think there are and there are ways around that where you can literally breed animals to be sold for animal testing, which seems fucked up to me. But also, like they gotta get the animals somehow. Like I, maybe it's just my love for animals. Like I never understood dogs, cats, and animals as such. Like I understand mice, I understand pigs, chimpanzees. If it's like, uh, we need to test a life-saving drug for X, Y, and Z which i feel like the monkey should be used sparingly not as common as they are like i said seventy thousand above uh the numbers are for right now in the united states i don't understand dogs and cats like we we do do animal testing on horses for example horses are a main reason how we make anti-venom for poisonous snakes that's that's technically sort of animal testing to figure that out and like nick mentioned earlier with pacemakers and uh anesthesia we've also made Dewar- like the animal testing has also benefited animals with animal testing we've come up with dewormers uh steroid uh try to do better surgeries for animals increase the veterinarian knowledge for certain animals like it's a dual-edged sword a, a big one i think one of the most common things people are probably familiar with is through animal testing you got like a most animals you have some kind of fight against rabies so for your dog that gets bit by a raccoon or something like that, you you have a chance at shaving, it's not shaving them, saving them uh, to get, which is, I mean, how many dogs, cats, you know, has that saved? True. I, I mean, I'm still thinking of like a pacemaker for humans and heart dewormer for animals. Like that's probably saved millions, like tens of millions. Like that's a there's a lot of people in the world with heart problems. There's a lot of, I mean, worms are, I feel like, kind of common in the in nature to get if you're, you know, a wild animal or even just like walking your dog through the woods. It's that little edge saves, make livestock better, produces better food. It, it saves a lot of lives, but it also costs a lot of lives to get there. Yeah, and this is another thing with, you know, like an outright ban on animal testing. We do need to develop medicines for animals. Uh, you know, livestock, like you said, is a big one, but also, you know, like having generic bird medicine, stuff like that to treat like endangered birds or, or, you know, any, like, I mean, we need any, any tool in the tool shed to help these endangered species back. You know, you only have a few. Do you really want to lose one to 
something as stupid as like a flu or some, you know some kind of virus like that that and also like technically genetic engineering so making mosquitoes not be able to carry malaria anymore so people don't die from malaria that's animal testing to figure out how which genomes work on the mosquitoes or uh taking lizards that can cure lyme disease and back traveling it and experimenting with it and experimenting on them to find cures for humans that's say that will save tens of millions of lives if we can cure malaria it wouldn't help help hundreds of thousands if we can clear lyme disease so it's like how many lizards are worth a human life how many mosquitoes are worth a human life it's i mean yeah you're like oh kill one mosquito no big deal kill eight trillion does it start to matter like it's it's weird how much value we put on certain animals versus others yeah and that's insect testing is a huge one i'm not huge but just super interesting to me because it's i feel like different than testing on mammals and the people who are really anti-animal testing don't really seem to care if you test on insects i mean everyone likes bug spray yeah everyone likes their centronella candles everyone puts most people put down ant traps people seem to be okay with that yeah you might be humanitarian and want to save animals but if it flies in your house you still might swat it it's uh it's, it's interesting how the human psychology works on what value we put on certain animals. Almost nothing on insects. <laughs> well, Nick, if you have anything else, I'd like to switch on different types of testing that still have to do with animals, but might be the way forward. Um, I did, I did want to quickly talk about, I mean, we mentioned some of the laws, but people keep talking about animal rights and what rights animals have and i guess that's just really confusing to me because well it's not like there's a constitution of rights for animals i just feel like people throw that term out and i just i really can't get a good answer of what exactly that means and people talk about it in the confines of animal testing and i i don't know if you had any to shed some light on that so there are multiple laws like the animal welfare act and some other bills that oh limit on the cruelty of animals and to me for animals it's you should try to treat animal i mean what's the quote you judge society and how they treat their animals or something like that it's if you should be able to treat your animals as humanely as possible and not show any cruel or any usual punishment uh i think that's what my opinion is going for it like if you're going to kill a cow you should try to put the bolt through the head as quickly as possible so they don't feel any pain if you're going to do animal testing, uh, I feel like maybe you should dull the nerves or completely shut them off so they're not, you know, when they're getting eaten alive, they're not feeling any pain. Or, I don't know, just maybe test on muscles because muscles, if I remember correctly, don't even have a nervous system to begin with. They they literally just kind of exist. It's treat, I, I guess, treat. Yeah, and, I mean, that's kind of what I, you know, treat animals. With dignity. You know, don't cause unnecessary pain you know maximize what you're doing don't test something trivial that's going to cause pain just holy shit speaking of trivial God, sorry nick uh please continue but a lot of test subjects on on testing things that we already know are really dumb as hell but please continue yeah i think that's just a problem with academia in general <laughs> i was listening to npr and they did a study they're interviewing this guy did a study and found out that men act more aggressive after watching pornography for 45 minutes it's like i could have fucking told you that but uh yeah i mean that's kind of what i thought i just people throw it out like it's this thing that we all should know and i 
I mean, that's kind of what I thought too, but it just seemed like the, the amount of times I saw the words animal rights, it was like, is there an animal constitution I don't know about? Like, do they have the, the, the right to vote? Like, where, where's the line? But uh, go, go on with solutions or alternatives. Well, I want to say, like, I, I think I came across a study. I can't remember what, but they had to drink something that was clearly poison. It was like, it's like testing how much rat poison kills a pig. And I'm like, why? Why? If, like, why test that? You know it's going to work. You know it's going to eventually kill it or make it sick. Why? Why? Well, you got to get that number, that or that oral LD50, to put it on the label. It needs to have that number so that people know exactly. It goes into the toxicity rating, so each product will have a rating on it, and it that changes how it's going to be regulated by how toxic it is, whether it's a restricted use or not. I think that's it. it, it they need that information so they can figure out how to regulate it. To me, it's like it. They should be just like a bill, like, "Hey, don't fucking eat this," and that's that's it. I mean, if you eat it, that's that's on you. We told you not to eat it, and you did it. Well, they also need to know how to counteract that. So, like, no, I agree with that. Like, how to counteract it for animal testing, but simply testing on how much will kill a pig. I, it might not have been rat poison. It could have been like alcohol. It was something common in a household. Like, yeah, but then could but that's important for. So, like, if you go to the doctor and it's like, okay, I ingested this much and they get your weight. They know, okay, do you need just a stomach pump? Like, what what do you need here? You know, it might be within the safe limit. Like, you might be fine. So we need to know what that number is. I'm going to make an educated guess. If someone, like, says drink bleach and they get taken to the hospital, they're not going to know exactly how much they drink. Right. But you can get So, like, the one of the, the big, and I think this is the why we know that need to know this, the biggest problem working with herbicides is secondary non-labeled secondary containers so someone mixes a prescription of herbicides to spray or like spray someone's lawn they're going to put some 2,4-D down kill dandelions keep the grass alive and they're mixing it with something else maybe like a surfactant or something and they'll just mix it they just need a little bit so they'll mix it in a Gatorade bottle and then they'll forget about it and someone goes and drinks that Gatorade bottle now we need to know you know, how much is going to hurt someone? Yes, I know it's stupid that people are drinking random Gatorade bottles, but it happens all the time. It's like the number one problem with herb, like her most herbicide fatalities and injuries come from secondary late container violations. Okay, maybe that wasn't the best example I came up with, but there are a lot to me, a lot of dumb studies done with animal testing that should not have been tested in the first place. There definitely are like the the beagles with the the animals that the uh, what. Was exactly the flies that eat their skin. The fleas. They took the vocal cords. Out. The fleas that eat the skin. They took the vocal cords out so that you couldn't hear the dogs. It's like what are you? What are you getting from that? Yeah, it's sometimes just it to me cruel and unusual punishment. It's that's it's just I don't I mm, I don't like I don't I don't ever hear any animal testing. Though they set the animal on fire to treat them to figure out how to treat burn wounds. Never heard that. I'm sure, I feel like they've definitely done I that. feel like they crisp some corpse, like they might kill a pig, take out some of the stuff, and then just do a burn. And well, you'd have, it'd have to be alive for the to know how the skin tissue is going to grow back, because, I mean, you can fix, you know, re-put some dead skin on there, but it's not going to continue growing. Man, that's now really dark. Now I'm thinking they actually have set animals on fire on purpose. To save lives. Well, do humans deserve to get lived? But anyhow. Going back, I, I want to switch conversations because now I'm feeling kind of sad. Uh, so there's a couple different testing on the market. Uh, like I mentioned with the William Russell and the Rex Birch, I think the three R's are right. When 
technology becomes more available, replace it. In vitro testing. It's not perfect, but to me, for like skin nutrients, it makes sense. So in vitro testing is pretty much taking a bunch of uh, cell samples, uh, tissue samples, growing them a little bit, and then adding a chemical to see how it reacts. It's on a little bit of a smaller scale, and you don't get to see how it affects the entire system. Like uh, what might be good for the skin might be terrible for the liver. What might be good for the liver is terrible for the skin and all those sorts of things. So you don't get to see a full thing. But like, again, I think it should be steps for animal testing. Like, is this, does this affect, uh, it, it, does this work in the simulation? Does this work in in veto? Does this work on dead tissue? Does it work on then mice? Then the like maybe have a whole process it has to go through. It might be longer to do, but it doesn't negatively impact humans or animals. Yeah, and I think that's probably a good idea. And one of the things that I, I I kind of read a little bit about this, but I don't completely. My, my question is like a irritant that needs a nervous system to respond to, and will that like the in vitro testing, because you have not just one type of cell, from what I understand, that you have like a pseudo nervous system. Like, but will that show up? Will that show up for the irritation? Well, you can still test up on test on dead bodies. But I mean, if you put bleach on a dead body, is that gonna um, like how does that work? Well, have you ever seen um, uh, if you put salt on frog legs, how they dance? Those are the ion transferring through. So. Pretty much the nervous system is just an electrical wire that can transfer information. So you can plug into that even if it's a dead body. It won't be the exact same results, but it would be pretty damn close. Uh, but uh, with that being said, we're also starting to grow synthetic organs. We're taking stem cells and growing them into, I don't know, like test test dummy test tubes, I guess. So we might be able to just take someone's sample, like say, because like different things affect different people. Like say, depending on your heritage, your blood type, your genome sequence, Take that test, grow some organs from you know group A, B, and C, and test on all three of them. See how that works. Because organ growing is becoming far more common and easier to do, so that's very helpful. And I keep mentioning simulations. AI is entering the pharmaceutical companies hugely. You're able to test dozens and dozens of sequences of different types of drugs, so you don't have to test all these different drugs. You can you can figure out quite quickly what drugs have even a possibility to test. Yeah, I I was curious. I was trying to Google it and finding things. So you know how like you go to the doctor when you're a kid, you get that allergy test where they put all those like peanut butter and different grasses and trees and shit on your back, and then they see like which ones respond. Yes, like a cadaver. If you do that, do they break out in hives if they're allergic to it? I think that depends on how fresh the cadaver is. Because that's my concern. Of like, I feel like the the bodies would just be like, yep, there's a. Well, I also... They just wouldn't respond because they're dead. Well, I also imagine if you flash freeze them, too, you can save most of the skin cells and stuff like that. So when you want to test something, you're able to test them. Again, it's not going to be exact, but if you're... I imagine if you're testing on humans for that, you're seeing if humans will... Bodies will reject the drugs, which might make it a little bit harder than synthetic organs might do better than that. But I think if you're doing a human testing, either it's... You've gotten so, in my opinion, in a perfect world, you've gotten so far through the other testing to test on live humans, or it's like a Hail Mary for a disease that's killing a lot of people. Yeah. And like we said, you know, 94% of products don't make it past animal testing. So it's it's got to make it pretty far to get into human testing anyway. 
You know, it's very interesting, Nick. Technically, we in the United States do, every student does animal testing with dissection of frogs and pigs. Yeah. That's... And, yeah, we did cats, too. You did cats? Uh, cow, cow eyes. You did cat... Wow. Okay. We had different... That's really weird, because we went to the same school. We had different animal testing at our in our uh, classes. I think we're... Yeah. I did... In biology, we did... Like the, they get the vacuum sealed frozen cats. Oh, we had frozen. We had we had pigs. Huh. Weird. That is very weird. But we're okay with that. Like that's a very common thing, and we're parent neutral for for introducing people to dissection and stuff like that. Testing on how to do stitches on cadavers, touching on how to do it on uh, pig skin. We're okay with that. So, I guess I guess most of our animal quarrels come with live animal testing. Yeah. I mean that's. I think so. I mean, I don't think people really care what happens if if we do. I guess the cons- I guess people are probably concerned like how are they treating the these cats before they're killed and shipped off to high schools to get cut open, sliced and diced. Yeah, you don't really want them in a puppy farm or you don't really want them to be locked in a small entire cage. And one thing that I think is important that I don't I don't know how you would really do this. I feel like you have to do this on human testing when you talk about other variables so like in mice they they either have like they have a a pretty normal diet right an exercise regime when they're comparing like drugs compared to i mean on humans you could have you know you freaking joe rogan exercise every day to i mean most people (laughs) you know eating frozen food watching tv all day and so the i just I think that's an important part of human trials that would be difficult to replicate in i mean you could do it it just have to be sounds like a lot of work it does to do lifestyle as well as whatever you're testing because there's so much in between of you know how much role does exercise play in whatever treatment and stuff as well as diet as much as this is an exact science boy is it not an exact science there's just so many variables yeah i mean look like um how many people there's what is that that they always ask if you're allergic to when you go to the hospital latex because some people latex and then some kind of like pain medication i think oh it's like what uh ibuprofen maybe uh, i'm not 100 percent sure but it's like even within our own species there's stuff that's good for some and not for everyone <laughs> what's good for the goose is not necessarily good for the gander uh yeah i just i got that it's an animal pun there you go thank you for there that. there you go champ uh, yep, I'll get there. There's something I thought was really interesting. The e- EPA, EPA, uh, sorry, a little Simpsons there. EPA. Thank you. Uh, they want to actually start phasing out animal testing completely by 2035, which I thought was very unique. I've, yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen, or maybe they're just aiming to remove certain species from the animal testing list. Like, again, I don't understand. Dogs and cats are weird to me. Like I under mice, I understand pigs, I understand even primates like monkeys. I kind of get depending on what kind of drug and testing it is. But insects, good to go. Insects, yeah, sure, fuck them, fuck mosquitoes. Like I, I, it's just interesting to me. On like I, I, I'm curious on like inside the scientist's mind. Like okay, we're gonna do this drug. We're gonna test it on this animal. Like how do you choose what animal? Like what scientific method makes you think okay? This dog's gonna be better than a pig, and also I feel like pigs are cheaper than dogs. Yeah, you'd think. Yeah, I just I can't. I I don't think I can reasonably justify 
and full ban on animal testing. Agreed. Until we get to the point where we can just grow synthetic organs and systems in the test tube, I think animal testing will always have a place. And then are we going to get to the point where we just have like brain dead humans that we just test all this stuff on? Like we just synthetically make a whole fucking person with the functioning immune system and all this stuff and just pump, you know, breed, li- I, get, well, I don't know, live cadavers just like mice that would engineer some to have certain defects like prone to certain cancers and shit like that and then try and cure them from there like how how far do we take the synthetic stuff well nick we already have brain dead people in our society uh so there's that but also (laughs) a question i was thinking about we've talked about bringing back extinct species if we bring back neanderthals technically they're not humans not subjugated to human testing and so are we allowed to animal test on them i i do agree that there should be a limit like how, how when we start making soulless bodies it gets kind of weird uh, granted if we just don't make them look like humans and they're just like organs attached to each other and just like a weird shape we probably will never think twice about it but like where's the question that's a really interesting question where's the line i have no idea right i'd almost rather experiment on an animal than like a brain dead human like that was never alive just like it that's just creepy that's getting into some weird shit there that's some black mirror stuff right right right. nick how about we just get so advanced we make a simulation universe and they do the simulate they do the testing on the animals in their in their universe and then we figure out from there and then they, they power our car yeah exactly love i love how i got my rick and morty joke uh it's a i'm torn i i think synthetic organs and test tube subjects will have a place but the question is how far do we take it i mean what point does it just become cloning and not testing on synthetic organs it's weird like is it is it like half a body like what's i mean is is it as long as it doesn't have a brain we're allowed to test whatever we want on it i mean if i'm like like just say i'm a super rich person and i start i'm worried about getting diseases i'll invest in cloning myself so they can test to find cures for all these diseases or i'm just having growing them for organs organ donor yeah it's get that new liver where for real uh where's the line the ethicity of it i have no clue because it's it feels wrong but it's not i mean no one's being harmed i mean in this hypothetical scenario there's no brain activity it's just an embryo a brain dead embryo probably raised I don't, I don't, I don't know how the process works, but this is a hypothetical. There's no actual harm being done to anyone. It just feels dirty. But you're getting a lot of good data. No animals are being tested on. So, I mean, logically, it doesn't seem like it's that. Like it seems like a pretty good deal. Yeah, and you could probably grow them to not have feel any pains. Like the obviously, like if you poke. But they're not alive, so it's like they don't. They can feel pain, and then you can test. You know, your sensory like. Does it shut down your sensory system? You know, the old knee, hitting the knee test. Oh, imagine eyes, testing on eyes. That's got to be creepy. Like synthetically. Just dead eyes. Yeah, just like eyes hooked up to electronic machines to make it blink and move and see and dilate the pupils. That's Well, eye irritants a big test too. Like for most cleaners and stuff, they got to see what happens if you get this in your eyes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fucked up to me either way. Either we test it on, both on animals and our subjects, just 
that fake eyes. Yeah, that's that's fucked up to me. You gotta know. Uh, is it bad that I just think of simpler times of just like maybe maybe having all these technology is a bad thing. Yeah, I wonder how many people. It's like, would you rather? Would you get rid of animal testing if we just experimented on like human husks that are, have never been alive? I'd be like, oh shit, that's creepy as fuck. But no one's getting harmed. Like, how many people do you think would be like, yes, because no one's getting harmed, or no, because that's fucked up? Do you think that would sway like really anti-animal testing people? I think it would sway them, but I think it'd also bring new people to the market of saying that's fucked up. Like, um, in my opinion, in my opinion, I think highly religious people would start saying that's fucked up, and you don't want to. We we shouldn't. You shouldn't do that, et cetera, et cetera. That's where. It, it, no matter what, it's a lose-lose situation. Someone's always going to be pissed. The question is, which have the higher rewards and lower risk? Yeah, and I think that's a big theme in society today is we don't we want the outcome, but we don't want to get there, right? Like we want all this, we want cheap, affordable food, but we don't want to pay for it. We, we want awesome cures for diseases, but we don't want the pharmaceutical industry to do this like there's there's things in life there's things that need to be done if we want certain things you know if we all agree we don't really care about making new medicines then yeah let's just toss all this testing stuff but well again it's not even just medicine it's if you want no more different types of paints or uh, herbicides fungicide if you don't want all these other new things being updated and, and created then yeah sure we can get rid of all animal testing yeah if you don't i mean i think that most people are okay with dead animal testing, so surgeons practicing on sheeps, you know, high school kids dissecting cow eyes, you know, the cow's going to die anyway, might as well use the eye for something. We're not going to stop eating beef as much as people would like us to. So I, I, I don't think anyone really has a problem with that as long as, and I, I until you get into questionable of why, are, where are these animals coming from? But yeah, live animals. I guess the major thing for me is their life before being tested on, their conditions while being tested on, and amount of pain that they will feel when being tested. And I should also throw an aftercare there, because I imagine, especially in other countries, that after they're tested, they're kind of discarded. Yeah, I mean, you really don't want to, even if it's an animal, you could eat like a pig. If you just figured out how much bleach it's going to take to kill a pig, probably don't want to eat it. Yeah, so I, I perhaps more regulations than those four things uh because no creature should be born in a cage live in a cage tested in a cage then die in a cage that just doesn't sit right with me what are you gonna do release all those mice chicago's already buying a bunch of cats so they can kill their rats no but they can ha like have be in a cage you can still be in a cage and still be happy i mean we're in technically the cage of society so i mean just make sure the living conditions are not just the bare minimum, I guess. Maybe maybe let them have some happiness before they get tested on and executed. Maybe maybe show some mercy before you start, you know, shaving them, testing irritants on their skin, injecting them with X, Y, and Z. Maybe maybe let them be well fed and have plenty of room to play with. Maybe have a somewhat of a happy life before being tested on and killed. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty reasonable. I think the when you get down to what that constitutes as, it's going to get more gray. Like, how many mice need? Like, how much square foot does each mice get? Yeah, or you know, I don't know, inches, square inches. I don't know how much space they need. 
just because that's it's going to change the capacity of certain places. So you're going to have to expand probably to allow for that, and then the price of things are going to go up. I mean, I just just running through this in my head. Not saying it's a bad idea, but I think you're going to get people are going to be like, oh, they need like this much, like free range chickens. They only need like technically a certain amount, but some people think that that amount isn't enough. Some people think that's it's too much. It's like it's kind of an arbitrary number that we come to yeah the logistics of it are definitely a pain in the ass but i I, we can at least move forward like think of like a set of bare minimum and uh, i don't know maybe have rating on laboratories like uh we already have people go out to different facilities to test nuclear facilities to see if they're up to code stuff like that maybe do the same for animal testing like have a separate third-party organization to go to see how well the organization is handling animal testing the quality of life of animal testing the see if there's any cruel or unusual punishment in testing i'm just imagining like a mouse yelp where it's like went to x y and z facility they grew an ear on the back of me ten but i had a lot i had a nice cage with a lot of chicks to bang 10 out of 10 would recommend (laughs) uh sure why not I mean, there's always a Judas cow for uh, agriculture. I mean, uh, for for herds. So why not uh, a Judas mice for animal testing? Well, that's pretty much all I got. You got anything else? No, that's just that I'm sad that animal test- testing is both a blessing and a curse at the same time. It is a necessity and a damnation of humanity. But uh, if you have any questions or if you came up with different solutions for animal testing or you think of any laws that animal testing should have please notify us on our social media and nick where could they find us you can find us on instagram backyard philosophy and we have a backyard philosophy podcast subreddit as well which will have like an animal testing comment there and let us know what you think there our instagram is just for pictures of cool things or memes a lot of dark memes and, uh, for Mike, this one <laughs> Before we get out of here, what book are you reading? I, for once, am actually in between books, which is quite refreshing, and I have yet to decide. What about you? What are you reading? I am reading a book called Douglas Fir, The History of the West's Most Remarkable Tree. Sounds about right. (laughs) Sounds about right. Par for the course. Well, I hope the book is good because I am not the target audience for that. Yeah, no, not a lot of people are. I'm surprised it came out with the hardcover, honestly. <laughs> yeah, well, we'd, and yeah, we're just plant testing. We're cool with that. They're like insects, right? We can just do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, pretty much. If they don't scream, you're allowed to test on them. Sounds good. Well, with that said, note, thank you all for listening. <laughs>